Welcome in to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben DuBose, and I'm a staff writer with the AMP Publications team, specifically Materials Performance Magazine and with Codings Pro Magazine. In my hosting duties for today's show, I'm joined by Michael Klein, Senior Director of Customer Experience at AMP. Mike, good afternoon. How are you? I'm doing great, Ben. How are you today? Doing well. Thanks for taking the time to join us. And today in our newest AMP podcast, we've got a special guest. We're going to be chatting with Kamal Tahar, Director of Global Operations at AMP. Like many departments within AMP, Global Ops is going through some changes as a result of the combination of NACE International and SSPC, the Society for Protective Coatings. So we're bringing Kamal on the show to discuss what's changing, what's staying the same, and what our members and others within the industry can expect. First things first, welcome to the podcast, Kamal. How are you? Thank you very much. Uh, ple pleasure to be here. I'm doing well. Uh, looking forward to speaking with you and Mike. Yeah, and I think a good place to start, if you could, Kamal, just introduce yourself, tell our audience your role with AMP and what it is specifically that you oversee in Global Ops. So my name is uh, Kamal Tahir, like you said, and I'm Director of Global Operations, um, previously for NACE International, now for AMP. And uh, my job is to run the operations that's uh, including business development and uh, actually hosting courses and uh, uh, following up with uh, details for our operations internationally. And when I say internationally, it's everything outside the United States and Canada. Okay. We have uh, offices all around uh, the world, uh, to be specific. Uh, we have an office in uh, Rio de Janeiro. We have an office in uh, uh, Cambridge, um, another one in uh, Riyadh, in, or sorry, uh, in uh, Kobar in Saudi Arabia, and uh, Kuala Lumpur and Shanghai. Um, we have, they're teamed up with uh, global operations uh, personnel, and uh, we uh, work around the clock making sure that uh, things happen. So you are wired in worldwide on AMP uh, members and customers and uh, as you and you talk to them every day you and your team so I'm curious as to what kind of questions you're getting from them about the merger and its effects and uh, you know what are their perspectives uh, from the global situation well Mike there's uh, there are a lot of questions as you can imagine you know during this merger there has been a lot of changes in uh, uh, different operations uh, from education to uh, uh, to, to conferences and so on. And so, of course, every change that happens with any other department, um, we get the questions. Um, just like just like with your group. And uh, uh, we most questions revolve around chapters and sections. Uh, people want to know exactly what's going to happen, uh, what their roles are going to be, uh, how they rise through the organization, uh, to reach that board member uh, status, but things have been changing and things are not the same. So our job has been for the past, uh, I would say, few months is educating our members on how the new AMP works. Um, and of course, as you know, a lot of these questions are not answered yet. There are committees right. and there are professionals out there working on on figuring this stuff out. And so. As we know, we're explaining it to our members. So what are some of the priorities that you all have when, for example, you're blending NICAP and the SSPC uh, 
basically their version of a quality control program. What are some of your priorities when you're putting these things uh, together? So a lot of this work happens at HQ um, and at QP is is really there. There's a there's a team around it that is uh, controlling it now. Once uh, once they come up with a new thing. Now, when they did the change, for example, from NICAP to QP, uh, our priority was to communicate with all the NICAP customers and explain to them what what it means to be a QP uh, uh, customer now, and what it what it what what does it mean in terms of audits? What does it mean in terms of um, the uh, the periods of when we are going to do the audits? Um, so it's it's been again education. It's uh, talking to the customers and explaining that nothing has changed um, except that it's no longer NICAP. It's QP. It's a stronger program where uh, uh, we have a bigger and more professional team running it right now. So it's all positive, really, if you think about it. There are no negatives here. Um, another thing is to communicate with the asset owners that trusted us to uh, to push uh, NICAP in the in the first place, uh, and, and and work with us to change to QP. As you know, we work with a lot of multinational groups, oil and gas groups around the world, and uh, for us to have uh, them uh, specify NICAP was a uh, was a big milestone. Mm-hmm. Now coming back and saying, well, we're going to change things, and it's no longer going to going to be in NICAP. It's going to be called QP. I gotta say. Uh, they've worked with us. They've been sensational. The asset owners have been incredible. And I think that speaks to everything we do at AMP. It's all member related and it's all member uh, produced. So the the members themselves uh, are our customers in, in almost all cases. And so they come up with the rules and we follow the rules and they they make sure that their organizations understand why these changes happen. Um, so it's truly incredible working with our members internationally. Um, when, uh, whenever there is an obstacle, and we faced obstacles uh, during the, the this transition, we found out that uh, our member leaders uh, were always the ones that uh, stood up and took charge and made sure that uh, whatever transition we're making with customers is done in a proper and professional manner. Um, of course, we support it in every way we can, but they really led the charge, and that's what's incredible about it. As a quick follow-up to that, um, what's the timetable moving forward? When we're talking about NICAP and the SSPC uh, QP, in terms of the next few months, weeks, whatever it may be, what does the rollout look like, and where are we as far as the transition? So a lot of the customers have uh, already been uh, informed that uh, okay. they they uh, uh, of of the change the NICAP customers obviously with the QP customers there's little to no change to them uh, but with the NICAP customers they have been informed and the new audits have been taking place as a QP audit and so in many ways it has started it's it's begun and uh, the 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 rollout has been incredibly smooth um, when. One thing, one thing we have to keep in mind when we talk about this is a lot of our NICAP customers um, were QP customers too, mm-hmm. and so they 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 understand the program. They have uh, uh, you know an an understanding of 
of who runs it and uh, the professional team that takes care of it from the staff. And so it has not been a, a, a rough uh, transition into this. Uh, now, one thing I could tell you is the growth potential that is out there for uh, this program is incredible. Everywhere we go, we're seeing um, uh, we're, we're seeing asset owners who are asking more questions, uh, trying to uh, you know get us uh, to work with them so they they could specify uh, QP to their uh, contractors. And as you know, th this is not an easy thing. It's not. It's uh, uh, we've gone to contractors uh, or asset owners before, and they were completely convinced with the program. They said we're ready to implement. However, if I implement today, if I ask my contractors to all uh, become QP contractors or back then NICAP contractors, uh, when will when would I have anyone to bid on a contract? Because or how long will it take before they are? qualified as that that contractor um, and it's a tough question because that all depends on the contractor uh, themselves right the the contractors mm -hmm. have to submit the paperwork um, when it comes to us auditing we're pretty quick we can find ways to audit even during this pandemic we've found ways uh, to complete audits uh, but if if the contractor is not ready with their paperwork and it's not ready to complete an audit this thing can take some time and so um, enjoy. I really enjoyed working with a lot of our asset owners who kind of broke it down and, and communicated uh, or helped us at least communicate with uh, the uh, contractors to say, OK, well, within the year, we'd expect you to become a, uh, a QP contractor. And, uh, you know, then we we rolled up our sleeves and uh, worked with the uh, accreditation department and figured out how to uh, roll this out with all of them. So it is a challenge, but again, the the, um, the potential is, is is amazing. So coming at it from a different angle, you are uh, also hearing from a lot of legacy uh, SSPC customers. You mentioned before that have been in the QP program and there really hasn't been any change for them. Um, how has their reaction been? You know, what are they what are they looking at to gain um, out of the combination of the program? Uh, I, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Mike. I think I think they they uh, appreciate the fact that their program has not changed uh, much, and they appreciate the fact that now it's a it's a larger organization, and so with with a uh, much uh, uh, longer reach. So. Uh, if you're a contractor, let me put it this way. If you are a QP contractor working in Brazil, um, now with with AMP and with the infrastructure that we have internationally, um, you have a bigger exposure to um, many, many more asset owners around that region. So you can potentially work in Argentina or work in uh, uh, in Chile or, or other places because uh, you are part of that network. Um, whereas um, before they were doing it specifically for that one client that they were working with. So I think we opened up um, an avenue for a lot of our international contractors to expand their reach. So not to necessarily work within, for example, if they're working in Saudi, not to just work in Saudi. And we have it. We, we do actually have a great example of that. One of our contractors who uh, was 
who's got audited and and, and got his uh, uh, accreditation in Saudi Arabia uh, has now grown and is working in in Kuwait under Kuwait Oil, who specifies uh, NICAP and now QP, um, and is is expanding to Qatar and other places. So it's giving them that incentive. And uh, of course, being with a multinational like we are, uh, it's easy to communicate with um, our offices internationally and get help to understand uh, who to contact with the uh, from the asset owner's perspective. And so I think I think it's a, a big positive in that direction. Let's talk about the regional breakdown. You've touched on this a little bit, and obviously as director of global ops, you deal with regions all over the world outside of the United States and Canada. What regions are showing the most interest in AMP and I suppose how the organization has evolved over the last few months? Also, how are you getting the word out? What's your messaging strategy and what type of reception uh, have you heard in these various regions? Yeah. So uh, I, I, again, I got to say this, it's, it has been a very positive journey. Um, one thing to think about is the two organizations, uh, the two legacy organizations have complemented each other with this merger. Um, we didn't have uh, in legacy NACE, for example, the C7, C12 uh, programs, uh, which are applicator based programs, and um, we couldn't push them outside um, around the world. Um, SSPC was uh, beginning to, to take that journey and go international with these programs. But now that uh, we're together under the AMP umbrella, uh, we're finding that there are a lot of customers out there, um, including large oil and gas companies um, that have completely adopted these programs now that we are one organization. And uh, they, the organizations that had had adopted these programs, but were looking to uh, push their um, uh, they, their employees to go further now have that ability to go into uh, CIP and CP and so on and so forth. It's it's creating. I think between the two organizations right now, we are closing the loop on the corrosion mitigation process. So the way the way we pitch it, and and, and that's part of your question, is we. We let the asset owners and uh, contractors and, and uh, government organizations that we work with around the world, uh, we're letting them know that we are now the one-stop shop uh, for your corrosion mitigation needs. If you're looking for applicator training, then that is us. If you are looking for materi material uh, performance, well, we have MPI and that's part of our organization. We, we, if you're looking for inspector, inspector programs, then we do have that with CP and CIP. Uh, we also have an, uh, programs like uh, uh, Impact that look at your, the entirety of your corrosion mitigation program. And uh, we can audit you and let you know um, if you're if you need more resources or or how how you could uh, transfer transform your organization to uh, really control your uh, uh, corrosion issues. So um, with, with with our uh, organizations getting together, it really has given us uh, has uh, it really has given us a uh, an incredible platform. Uh, I forgot to mention standards. You know, it all begins with standards. Now the amount of standards that we have 
um, and then the diversity of standards that we have is really is really helping us uh, when when communicating with uh, government organizations. They're looking for our standards. Uh, they're happy to to have them all in one place. Uh, they're happy to uh, know that we not only do the stand uh, have the standards, but we only we also have the training and we also have the uh, 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 coatings, testing, and and so on and so forth. It's it it's been a positive journey in the past three months. It, incredibly positive. So I imagine that there are some regions that are um, more active than others. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, oil and gas, and I, I imagine that the oil and gas producing regions of the world, uh, there's a lot of interest. Or there's some other regions or other countries specifically uh, that are just kind of clamoring to become more involved and, uh, you know, uh, get their affiliations with the AMP solidified. So. Um, you're, you're right about that, Mike. I mean, it's a it, we have um, so it's not it, it's uh, like you said, it's not just oil and gas the, we've been working with oil and gas as, uh, um, you know, as two separate organizations and now as AMP uh, for over 75 years. And that's a, a relationship, I think, that is that's uh, always been a very strong uh, partnership. Uh, but we're also working with uh, other industries in the water, wastewater, in, uh, uh, in uh, the uh, infrastructure, uh, and so on. It's, so it's not just the, the companies. It is, like you said, it's governments. So uh, if you look at what happened uh, recently with Impact and uh, how um, there's a new study coming up for Impact in Canada, uh, so now we have an impact study for the United States. We have one in Canada and we have one in uh, uh, or one for India. Uh, I can tell you there are many other countries like Jordan and Israel and many others that are looking on, on uh, uh, you know, working with AMP to create their own impact study and figuring out what their corrosion cost is and how to mitigate it. Um, another thing is we're, we're getting a lot of attention from uh, water and wastewater uh, companies in the Middle East. So we've been working with uh, SWIC, for example, which is the largest desalination company in, in Saudi Arabia. And uh, we're, we're in a place right now where uh, it is becoming that close partnership, just as we do, uh, just as we have with uh, uh, oil and gas. If you remember, water and wastewater is just as precious, or uh, water specifically is just as precious as oil in many of these countries. And so uh, taking care of your assets, making sure you're doing all the, the right mitigation when you, uh, uh, corrosion mitigation when you need to is is what uh, what will keep your asset running and what will keep water flowing to um, to to uh, the customers. Uh, this is a it, it is becoming a big thing and I'm you know I'm glad you asked that because I think a lot of the times we we uh, when we say we're AMP and we we talk about our history, I think people overlook that part of our uh, of our work. Uh, we're not just an oil and gas uh, corrosion mitigation uh, association. We we work with everybody. Um, now with the QP program, uh, for example, as we mentioned before, uh, here the QP program in the United States states works in a big way with 
um, bridges and tunnels with the with the DOTs around around the country. Uh, internationally, the QP program uh, works specifically for the oil and gas companies. Well, we're we're changing that now because of the history that the QP program has had um, in this country. We're uh, educating the customer on how they can utilize uh, this program for their infrastructure needs. We've talked to um, in, in countries like Jordan and Saudi Arabia and in, in uh, Southeast Asia, uh, we've, we've talked to um, ministries of transportation, ministries of public works, uh, and, and we've introduced them to, to these different programs. And I could tell you the reaction has always been uh, has has been in the past this past year incredible. They want to know more. They want to move forward. The pandemic has slowed things down um, in a, in a big way. But even with uh, the the pandemic um, having cost us a lot of momentum, uh, we're we're seeing a, a huge potential. It's interesting that you bring up the pandemic because I feel like right now we're sort of in an interesting spot in which. Things are clearly on the upswing in the United States with the rollout of vaccines. We're getting back to in-person events at AMP and a lot of other industry organizations. And yet at the same time, there's a lot of other areas in, in the world that are certainly still struggle, struggling with COVID and have not had the luck that we have in regards to cases going down, the vaccine rollout, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anything that members in those areas are looking for AMP to do to sort of stay engaged with them while they're still dealing with the pandemic? Yeah, and, and unfortunately, you're right, uh, Ben. It's uh, uh, the pandemic has is under control here in this country and is under control in many other countries. But unfortunately, in uh, in the majority of the countries we deal with, it's uh, it's still it's still a, 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 a problem and it's still causing uh, concern to a lot of our members. Um, I got to say the departments, the, the various departments within AMP have have really stepped up and uh, whatever they've done in the past uh, year, year and a half has uh, affected our, our members in a very positive way. Uh, from the rollout of virtual learning uh, to the webinars and, and, and the, the uh, uh, virtual conference that, that uh, happened in the past uh, few months, uh, we're getting a lot of positive uh, uh, response from our international uh, members. As a matter of fact, in the conference, uh, we had a 30% increase of international uh, members attending, uh, uh, you know, versus in uh, the in-person. And so uh, it, it, these, these are incredible numbers, but it also tells you the amount of people that are interested in the AMP content and they're interested in, in what we roll out, they, they want to be a part of it. Now, having a hybrid program going forward, having which which is what the uh, uh, conferences department is is doing, uh, is is all going to be a, uh, a is all going to be uh, a positive uh, uh, thing going forward. It's it's definitely going to be you know, the members are going to really truly embrace this. Now, of course, as we move forward and this, the pandemic starts getting under control in different areas, I'm sure people could be more eager to be face to face once again. Mm -hmm. uh, but but even without that, I think we've learned a few lessons here. All right. Um, 
you know, it's it's easy to kind of break down our customer base and our members into um, international and uh, U.S. based, right? Because you know our headquarters are here in the U.S. But what we're finding out because of uh, all the uh, uh, because of all the content that's been going around virtually these uh, this past year and a half. We're finding a huge, a, a, a big level of engagement from our inter international uh, uh, members in, in into the, the the programs that we're we're um, uh, hosting and the programs that are coming up. So I think we've learned some really good lessons here. We need to keep it up. Um, if we have a conference here in uh, in the U.S., it's great to have a, a hybrid model to include people who have been carrying a big burden traveling from 7,000 miles away at, uh, at times, 10,000 miles away to the United States to just be a part of us, uh, a part of this. So uh, uh, moving forward, I think I think we're going to, that's going to increase our membership. You're going to see a lot of people who couldn't afford to be, uh, you know, who couldn't afford to engage uh, with us before are going to be engaging uh, with the, uh, with our different uh, committees and with our different uh, technical groups. So it's, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I can't see the negative in continuing um, a, a virtual model parallel to what we're doing right now. You're, uh, in your travels, virtual, such as it has been for the past uh, year and a half, as you mentioned, um, and as, as we've gone through this merger, we know there have been some We'll, we'll call them some uh, less than enthusiastic responses. Uh, sometimes, domestically, <laughs> yeah, domestically and internationally, uh, but particularly internationally, there seemed to be a, a real struggle um, with members of the former SSPC and NACE with accepting this merger. Um, you know, how do you handle that? What do you what do you say to these folks? Uh, how do you put a positive uh, spin on it and? Convince them of the opportunity that lies ahead for them and for all of us, frankly. Yeah, well, Mike, you hit the nail on the head there. It's all about outlining outlining the uh, the opportunity. I mean, uh, uh, with every change, right? It's a there's always that 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 feeling of dread, that feeling of, and I believe a lot of the negative reactions we get is has more to do with the the, the fear of change rather than what, what the change actually is. Um, when uh, we, we've gotten customers or and, and members and, and, and uh, uh, asset owners who have contacted us um, with, let's just say, with, with some heated up questions on, on what a certain change might mean to them. After talking to them for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you find that these questions kind of start to disappear and they're more interested in the opportunity that this merger brings rather than the um, rather than the challenges that are facing us at this at the present. The uh, global ops team has the global ops team are really incredible at doing this. They they always manage to uh, communicate well with the uh, with the members uh, and and letting them see what's beyond today's changes. Um, to see the opportunity that is that is coming in. Um, one thing, you know, we we haven't dealt a lot in the concrete corrosion um, 
uh, or with, with concrete corrosion with legacy nays. And yet we've had many customers, specifically in the Middle East and in Southeast Asia, that have asked us about it. Uh, well, what do, you, what, do you have any courses? Do you have any content? And yes, we did have a, a few courses here and there, but not a, not a big uh, content that we could deliver. Now, with uh, uh, after combining the, uh, the 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 two two organizations together, we have a library of, of stuff. We have uh, uh, you know a, a lot to 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 share with the clients that are interested in that kind of uh, corrosion. Corrosion under uh, insulation is another one where um, some of the SSBCs uh, or legacy SSBCs uh, members were asking about now. Uh, they're getting more and more information about it. I think there's strength in this merger in terms of content. And the fact that uh, within AMP, we have uh, a department specifically concentrating on uh, content and, and content development and, and um, uh, you know, uh, making sure our content is accessible and is, is fresh and is ready for the, uh, the members. Uh, it's a game changer. It's it's you you will see a lot of um, a, a lot of the members who were maybe not quite on board uh, with this merger. You'll you will find them coming back and and really understanding that there is a lot for them out there, and uh, all they have to do is is press a button and get that content. So, li like everything, Mike. I mean, it's. And I'm sure you 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 get a lot of these questions too. A lot of the, um, you know, what's happening tomorrow and what is happening today with a specific program. Yes, for a lot of this stuff, we don't have an answer to because uh, just there are members just like that member who's who's calling and asking about the specific program who have uh, formed committees and are working to solve that problem. And so until we get that uh, all sorted. Uh, you know, we're we're just going to have to make sure that uh, we keep highlighting what what the future looks like for this uh, amazing uh, um, merger. Come on, I think you're right. I, the the genius in the the merger, I think, really lies in the content in a lot of ways because the the combination of the two organizations and the content that we have um, to offer is going to be just a huge, huge strength. I believe that. Um, I can I can tell you, Mike, this the when when the um, uh, let's say the rumors of the merger started coming out uh, internationally, um, there was a lot of intrigue and there were a lot of a lot of questions. And I can tell you that between the day we started uh, integrating until today, a lot of these questions have been answered. And I really am a firm believer that all the questions will be answered in due t in due time. Um, it is important for us not to be focused on uh, or only focused on the the uh, what's happening today and uh, you know try to start laying laying the groundwork for what's uh, what we need to happen in the future um, and uh, it just uh, you know we, we do we do work for an incredible organization with incredible members um, they there's not a day that passes where one of our international members is being a uh, is being a leader in in pushing AMP forward to uh, 
the the governments or or, or the um, associations that that are in their countries or whether it is to the asset owners or whether it is just trying to help the staff uh, figure out how to increase their presence within that country. Um, I don't I don't see that happening anywhere else in you know in in private businesses. It's I think this is a a unique thing for associations, especially like ours. The last question that I have, when you talk about the feedback that you get from many of these members around the world, how much is similar and how much is different when it's a former NACE person versus a former SSPC person? What are the differences, if those exist, in terms of sort of the themes of the questions you get from each distinct audience? It's incredibly similar. It is incredibly okay. similar and it shows, I think what it shows, it shows that we we're not that different between mm. the two organizations and and it makes sense to merge as, as one organization. Um, you know, the by the way, the the um, the members internationally uh, for the most part know each other and are uh, are in the same circles in many in many cases. Um, a lot of the asset owners that we deal with on daily basis um, use products from both uh, organizations, and uh, and so the it's the transition for us when it comes to uh, making sure that our uh, members and clients' needs are met is not is not difficult. They, I think the main main obstacle is to make sure that you know all the the the, the, the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. Make sure those details are 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 uh, set and and pushed forward so that so that the members and the customers understand exactly how how the new flow uh, uh, in terms of uh, business and in terms of uh, uh, you know working with this association uh, goes. Uh, like I said earlier, there a lot of the questions are. Okay, well, I'm a I'm a member in 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 Peru, for example, and uh, I'd like to join uh, join a committee. Well, how do I? Uh, how, what 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 steps do I take? And these come from both sides, whether it's SSBC or NACE. That 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 interest in how do I engage? What do I do to engage? Uh, we have, uh, uh, you know, language barriers are there, and uh, of course, the the fact that we have infrastructure. Uh, in terms of offices and staff around the world is a huge support and is a huge help. But we're also working on translating and making sure that the a, a person in uh, Korea who was interested in joining a committee uh, that is uh, that had its a technical committee, let's say that started its uh, uh, you know that that started somewhere here in Texas or somewhere uh, around the U.S with uh, a few uh, uh, American uh, uh, engineers uh, has the it has the capability of joining and 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 sharing their thoughts and and uh, uh, you know uh, giving feedback on on how that uh, whatever te this technical committee is working on how that affects uh, the the person's work in Korea you know um, it, this this is the the concern that most uh, international members have. How do I be more involved? How can I share my perspective? 
um, how can I make my my contribution to AMP work for my company and my country? That's basically everything that's on my list. Mike, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, sign off as far as questions for Kamal? No, I, I think we hit them all and I appreciate it, Kamal. I think you uh, you gave great answers. Um, I think there's a lot to look forward to uh, in this uh, opportunities that we're, we're bringing here as AMP. And I'm glad you and your team are out there uh, on the front lines uh, bringing it to the world. Uh, Mike and Ben, I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to talk to you today. Um, sorry, I could I could be long-winded sometimes when I answer <laughs> questions, but I am very uh, passionate about the work we do um, internationally for AMP. Uh, so thanks again. No worries. And yeah, it was absolutely great information. And I think this is a good point in which we can wrap it up. So again, for Kamal Tahar and Mike Klein, my name is Ben DuBose. This is where we will break today. If you want more information about what Kamal's team is doing over in Global Ops or other departments within the association, you can check out the AMP website at ampp.org. Also feel free to visit materialsperformance.com and codingspromag.com for all sorts of additional news related to protective coatings and corrosion control. With that, we'll sign off for good. For Kamal and Mike, I'm Ben. Thanks again for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.